I'm a porn addict. Everybody all right? All right. If I could tell you the truth, I don't know where it came from. I can remember being as young as eight, seven years old, looking for stuff online that I probably shouldn't have been looking for at that age. And some of y'all in this crowd right now that have seven-year-olds, eight-year-old children, and you probably couldn't imagine that they would be played and poisoned with a seed as vile as that at that tender, injured, innocent age. That was me. And it breaks my heart to this day. As I look back and I look at little seven, eight-year-old Anthony like, you poor kid. And like I said, I couldn't tell you where it came from. Don't know. I don't believe anything happened to me that was tragic, if y'all follow me. I don't know if I watched a movie that made me curious. I don't know what happened. But it was a seed that was sown in me at a very young age. And let me tell you what it did, what that morphed into. That morphed into 20 plus years of slavery to a sin that I wasn't even responsible for, that I couldn't even control. That morphed into having to go back and forth between fighting myself and not consuming and consuming and not caring and then caring the more. Like it, it was, it's mind boggling what it morphed into and how it has ripped me apart almost. Even some of my lowest, my lowest, lowest moments, watching this stuff in secret in my marriage. Sneaking off at work, bathrooms. <laughs> Even like my lowest, my lowest, my lowest, lowest moment. I remember having to pull off of a highway to go to a gas station bathroom because the burn, the burn was that strong. Now here's the thing. I don't know if anybody else has gone through any type of temptation, has battled any type of sin of that nature, whether it's sexual sin, whether it's a sin of anger, whether it's a sin of kleptomania, whether it's a sin of whatever it may be. If you've gone through it and battled with it, I'm here to let you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. Give me uh, Matthew 18. Woe, judgment is coming to the world because of stumbling blocks and temptations to sin. It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to the person on whose account or through whom the stumbling block comes. If your hand or foot causes you to stumble and sin, cut it off and throw it away from you. Well, I picked the Amplified. That is, remove yourself from the source of the temptation. Don't be out there self-mutilating, people. It's not what we call it for here. All right? It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into an everlasting fire. 
If your eye causes you to stumble and sin, pluck it out and throw it away from you. That is, again, remove yourself from the, from the temptation. It's better for you to enter life with the only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fiery hell. I was reading this and I'm, I'm, it stuck out to me. Stumble and sin. Woe to the one who stumbles and sins. It's not that a stumble isn't going to come. It's not that these spirits that jump and manifest on us from, <laughs> from our eight-year-old age that we don't even know about, that we won't be able to control it. But we have a way. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that today. But just because the stumble happens, you can't choose what your stumbling block is going to be, what the rock is, the little pebble it is that, that you're going to trip over day in and day out, week in, month out, year out, throughout your whole life. We don't pick that. We can't discern what that's going to be. But you do have a way to not sin. The interesting thing about this, this passage, um, as I was reading it, it kind of gave me a little, a little peace on the back end of it, right? We move on to verse 10. Pull that up for me. Yeah. Move on to verse 10. It says, see that you do not despise or think less of one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heavens are in the presence of and continually look upon the face of my father who is in heaven. Well, what we always say here, when it get real, it get real, right? This is Christ talking. And what he's saying is, even for the, especially for the baby Christians, don't you dare out there, you judges, you, you, you people who put yourself in a higher place when you have no right to look out, look down on to despise them and crush them even more than they already are as they're trying to battle and defeat the sin that they're working through. Just because you think you've gotten some, some special place more, more and you've grown some special place further. You have no right. Like the Father, like, like the father said, when, when Jesus left us and the Holy Spirit comes down, like we have angels in heaven. Like, do y'all understand? We have angels assigned to us. They're to cover us and protect us. They're petitioning on our behalf in heaven in the presence of the Father. As you're working and you're trying and you're moving and you're growing through your, through your life, through these stumbling blocks that we come through. Keep your mind and your heart and your spirit guarded as well as you see somebody who you could potentially just look down upon and say, no, nah, let me pray with his angels. Yep. Now, I want to be clear, sin is still important, right? This isn't, this isn't something where I'm giving us the, the freedom and the, the free petition to just go out and sin and be cool with what's going on in your life and the things that you're struggling with and the things that you have issue with. I'm not, it's not the thing. We talk about that all the time here. We talk about the, the judgments in heaven. Yes, we believe in Christ. We're saved. But when we come to be judged in heaven, we're going to be judged on what it is that we gave into. How did you live your life? What did you do? That's the things that we have to keep in common, keep in, keep in our mind as we're living our lives. I mean, y'all, we have a glorious heavenly father that chose to give his one and only son for our mess ups. Why wouldn't that influence us and empower us to live as holy as we possibly can? That's why I'm up here today, because that's the desire to live as holy as we possibly can, even though he knows. Just like in Matthew, what I just read, he knows that there's going to be a stumble. And he knows that sometimes it's going to be a sin, but he's still there for us, and he still wants us there. 
to be living holy and pleasing to him. Give me Acts. Acts 19, verse 13 16. <clears throat> A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord of the Lord Jesus in their incantation. <laughs> they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know you, and I know Paul. Or excuse me, I know Jesus, and I know Paul. But who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. We need to make sure that we're avoiding sin so we're not beat and bruised by these spirits and demons that we come into contact with daily. We may be able to, to front and fake and say, oh, I'm holy and I'm blessed, and you back in the corner somewhere doing what you know you have no business doing, falling into the sin, making yourself weak and, and, and impressible by these spirits that can come and want to attack us. If you look at, where, where, when you, where, where was it? Verse 13. Uh, verse 13. They said, they, when the scripture said, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations. There's a scripture where it talks about making these, these, these mindless mumbling chants. This is a reference to what, like, the pagan societies would do. They would sit there. Y'all seen, um, what's that Tina Turner movie? No more Rangekio, no more like, like, literally just chanting pointless, mindless things, trying to summon a spirit. Summon some, he said, he's calling out their fake right there. It's all about your heart. Even if your, your heart isn't in it, but you're saying, I command you in the name of Jesus to come. If you don't actually believe who Christ is, if you're just a, the group of Jews who are the fakes and really just kind of trying to prove their way, oh, I'm still holy like these guys were, you have no, you have no chance. You have no chance. Now, I will say this. I thankfully have been delivered. Right? But the reason why I say this is because it's always there. It's all, but don't ever fool yourself to think that you're completely out of the way of what the issue could be in your life. Don't ever fool yourself because that's where Satan is going to get in and, and, and strip you up and make you slip and fall just because you think you've got the pride and you've figured it out and you know what's going on in your life and you have control. Don't ever for a second think that you could, you have your power in the Holy Spirit, not in you. So, give y'all today's title. It is, I'm going to head out. I'm going to head on out. Y'all remember that meme a couple years ago with SpongeBob where he was getting out the chair? He was like, yeah, I'm going to head out. Let me get on out of here. Let me make my way. <laughs> but I want to set, set the stage for y'all. Like, I want to set the, the picture and paint a picture of what we're talking about today. Yes, we're talking about, we're talking about sexual sin, right? Scripture talks about how powerful sexual sin actually is. But this is for any temptation and any sin, period. Anything that you're fighting that's, that's coming from your flesh that you just feel like, oh, I don't want to do it and you can't control it, this is for any of that. Take these cues and take these clues. You can roll it.
Would you like something? We have some honey buns in here and also some melons. Oh. Ah. Uh, uh, can I get milk? Sure. Do you want something? Oh, no. No, I don't. Actually, uh, I guess it's water. Yeah. Now that's one of my favorite like sitcoms ever. It's like definitely top top three, way over Martin. I don't want to hear nothing about it. I don't want to hear nothing about that. But this is point one. We gotta flee. We have to flee. We have to flee. You gotta run from it, right? Now, when I think about fleeing sin, I really more so think about creating space. That's really more so what I think about when I hear about, you know, and, and we've heard that we've grown up, grown up in church or we've done our study. You've come across this topic any moment of time. You've heard somebody mention or say, ah, you have to flee your sin. You have to flee temptation, which they're not wrong. But we could go deeper into this. Now, the thing about creating space that I, I, when I look at this, I feel like it's more so that we... We need to actually let the help that we have come in and help, right? There has to be room for us to get into issue. Let's look how they say it here. Uh, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to read this. This is up there, yep. All right. And we're in the NLT here. All right. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good and to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Here we go. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, and stay away from every kind of evil. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Is the thing that sticks out to me the most there. Because when we, when we take our time and we don't create space from the issue, that is, in a sense, a way of us stopping and stifling and smushing down the Holy Spirit. It's already a free gift. It's not saying he can't do what he wants to do. It's God. He was sent here as a helper, right? But he's also a gentleman. If you don't want him, he ain't going to force himself. 
Otherwise, what would love be? Otherwise, we'd just be robots. Let me look at it like this. Pastor, can I, can I get your help? Uh, brother, brother Steph, can I get your help? My, my brother, please. Let me, let me look at it like this. Okay. Been in the gym. That thing kind of heavy. Golly. Okay. All right. Come on. Come on over here, Steph. Come on. Okay. So, like, when I look at stifling the Holy Spirit, we got, we got Steph. This is a strapping young man. Very strong. Look at that. Y'all didn't sound like steel, right? Now, he's working. He's working hard. He's doing his best, best to stay and stick away from sin. And then we got, we got this guy right here. Just conniving, evil, doing all the wrong things. Not in real life, though. You're a great guy. So, look, when we was in college, like, we, all right, so I joined this frat in college, right? And, like, one of the things they would have us do, they would have us, like, like we, we would be in unison with each other, right? We always had to be together. We couldn't let anybody come up between us. We couldn't let anybody do anything. So they tell us to lock up. I'm about to put y'all on the spot. Lock up. What's on point? Get down. Lock up. Okay. See, this is the issue. We get so tied into our sin that we just want to lock up and hold on to it. And then you got the Holy Spirit doing his best, trying to say, no, Steph, get off. Get away from him. Nope. But see, that's what they taught us. They said, nope. Don't let go. Don't let anybody break your stuff. Don't let anybody break your connection with the sin that's trying to keep you down. And you can do anything. And the Holy Spirit just trying. The Holy Spirit trying his best. But you just holding on so close. And the sin is trying to get you. But he won't let you do anything. Because you just holding on tight. You won't. Now break. Drop it. When you can just let go and let the Holy Spirit create space in between you and your issue. And when sin tries to attack you, and it tries to get to you, and you can't do anything. You just sitting there chilling, and nothing's wrong, nothing's an issue. And the Holy Spirit is just right here, making sure nothing happens. And even when you start tripping, and you start trying to attack, and say, I want it. No, give it to me. I want the, I want the, I want the, free, the free 99. Give me the free coochie sweater. Give me, oh, I want to spit on my wife. Like when you're trying to do all of these things, and get into your sin that you can't. Thanks, y'all. When you're trying to get and dig into your sin that you can't help but to let go, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and gives you everything that you need as he's supposed to as a helper. You got to let him in. When you get that inkling is this a, the, the fight or flight? Y'all know the, y'all familiar with the fight or flight response? When you get that inkling, you need to listen. Because it's not just a natural chemical reaction. It's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, you need to get away from here. You need to, you need to give me some room. You need to give me some room to do what I need to do. And it's that, it's that thing that we don't take serious enough. It's that moment and it's that time that we don't take it serious to be able to say, all right, let me actually do what I need to do. Give me 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body 
which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. Not, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God brought you with a, bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Stop letting the enemy just whip you up with something that is a holy temple that God has purchased, purchased with his blood. And he's giving you a way out. Don't, don't mess this stuff up. And, and be keen and, be, and listen to it. There's no other sin like sexual sin. No other. Why do you think all these people out here trying to manipulate and say that this is part of society and I can have this many wives or this many husbands and this isn't bad and, oh, my, these short films that I like to watch online, it's not a bad thing. I'm just helping myself relieve my stress. Everybody's trying to make an excuse for this thing because they, they don't even know that it's such a sexual stronghold. It's such a stronghold for sin on them that they, they, they don't want to let it go. They try to make every, every uh, um, uh, 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 excuse to be able to follow and go along with what their hearts desire. There's this thing that, that people say, it's like, oh, oh, I just want to do what makes me happy. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to, and little do they know, they're quoting, like, satanic church leaders. Do as thou wilt. Just do what you want to do. This is satanic. Like, this is literally what the satanic church says. And they flip it up and make it sound all nice. And right, you're going to do as thou wilt. You're going to lose the kingdom of heaven forever. Now, the thing I like about this is that we don't have to worry. Uh, give me 1 Corinthians 10 as well. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands firm, that is, immune to temptation, being overconfident, self-righteous, let the one who thinks he stands firm uh, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that it is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful. He's faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out. So that you will be able to endure it without yielding and, with, and will overcome temptation with joy. It's not on your account. And you're not alone. You are not the only person that is going through this temptation that is so hard to, to, to break away from. You're not alone. Everybody, every single person in here, every single person, I can say that confidently. Except for like maybe like the person that might be like in the hallway like, ain't me. Maybe that's why they in the hallway. No, no. If somebody's in the hallway, I'm not actually talking to you, okay? <laughs> but no, I wanted to go back. Yeah, no 
temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to the human experience, but God is faithful. Uh, he will not let you be tempted. That's what I was talking about. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to remove yourself from the situation. And the thing is, you're not removing yourself from the situation. It is God that is within you. It is God that is within you. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation, he will provide the way. He will provide the way out. But if you're suppressing and stifling the Holy Spirit, clinging on to your sin, there's no way in. So, verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, run, keep far away from any sort of idolatry, and that includes loving anything more than God or participating in anything that leads to sin and enslaves the soul. Amen. I want to give y'all like a biblical example of this. It's so funny. This is how I kind of know even more confirmation that the God is in the room, right? Because this whole story was brought up. But I'm going to give y'all some background. This whole story was brought up this morning. But I'm going to give y'all some background. We're going to go to Nehemiah. You don't have to pull it up yet. Uh, but we're going to go to Nehemiah. And basically, this prophet coming in. He's got like the highest job in a pagan nation. And he's been led there to lead his people back for a third time to their promised land, the Jews. Now, me and my wife, we call, we call the Jews the can't get rights. We can't, we call them the can't get rights because it's time and time and time and time and time again in scripture where it's just like, bro, like all y'all had to do was go this way. Like that's all y'all had to do, but they wanted that sin. See, it'll mess you up, boy. Let's look at this. Nehemiah 10, verse 28. So we're at a point now where Nehemiah, he's convinced the people, he's kind of, he's leading them back into the ways in which they need to go. Listen to what happens. It says, then the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God. All who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse on themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses. They solemnly promised to carefully follow the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our Lord. Them people took it serious. They realized that they had been in such, such a mess. They said, all right, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm separating myself, separating, creating space from this culture, from this society, from these people that have been trashing us, all of these, all of these generations, these people that we have, we have so lost ourselves and who God has said that we are, we're taking on their identity. We're doing all these things that they're doing, thinking that we're living in the right way, and no, we're confused, and we realize it now. So let me do what I need to do and cut myself off. Some of y'all got to be just that cutthroat with it. But it can be, it can be tough to do that because we may not want to hurt somebody's feelings Maybe we want to just tie ourselves to what we're used to and comfortable with. Maybe we're lying to ourselves saying, ah, I'm not that bad. No, it's that bad. 
If you get that, if you get that feeling and you get that understanding, this is why we have to. This is this is a piece, a huge piece of us growing here, y'all. If we're getting that feeling and we're getting it, <laughs> cut it off. You don't have to like, you know, like yell at the person and you ain't no good for me. I should have never left you. I should have never believed you. You don't have to do all that now. Like you, could, <laughs> you don't have to, <laughs> like. We want to keep our bridges. That may be, that's maybe somebody you're going to minister to in five years. <laughs> we want to keep those bridges now. But you have to be willing to cut yourself off, pull yourself away from these things that have been keeping you down and keeping your generations. Look, 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 at, the, like, look, look at the text. It said, it said, together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who are old enough to understand. This is generational. This has impact on their kids, 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 kids. And they saw that. So if you can realize that the thing that you're, you're tying yourself to, the thing that you're tying your flesh to, if you would think about it in such a way, <laughs> like I have, if you could think about it in such a way as, man, if I don't stop this, my son is going to have this, and my grandson, and my great-great-grandson, and, my, and I don't desire that for my little, my little precious little baby boy. I don't want that for him. Can we take ourselves, can we drop the ego for a second and take ourselves out of the situation? And understand that this is all for community, even our community that doesn't exist yet. The people, that, the people who you will never meet, I guarantee, I guarantee y'all, I'm dealing with some stuff from my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. I believe in that. Generational curses, they're real. So if you know that you have the power to be able to stop with the Holy Spirit and actually let him in, to be able to stop these issues that have traveled from generations and can travel for generations beyond to people who you won't even meet, would you stop it? If you could fast forward 200 years and see your, your grandchild three, three generations removed or however you want to say it, you could see them and then come, come out and be born and be able to hold your great, 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 great grandchild and be able to say, you're never going to have to deal with the issues that I did. You're never going to have to struggle with shame and guilt in these areas the way that I did. They're already going to have it bad enough. They own this, they're in this world. So if you have the power to stop it, why not stop it? This is what it needs to look like. Can you give me, give me clip two? We got to be this serious about it. Okay, I thought about it and thought about it, Tony, and this is the best solution. I tried covering up, and that didn't work. So what we're going to do is build up your tolerance for looking at me. I want you to stare at me until you're bored. Look at him. Ready? Bro, nervous. <laughs> Hold it. Hold it in. Bye. Enemy, you shall not win. And here's the thing. The, clip, the first clip that I showed y'all, that clip right there, he wanted to. He wanted. He really, like, he was like, but I'm trying to please God. That boy quoted scripture. That boy blew his head off in his dream, trying to contain himself, only to wake up and say, look, I'm not, this is just a dream. It wasn't even real, but I already know I'm already there. Let me, Peace. Are we willing to be that serious? Are we willing to look that weird? Because I'm pretty sure from her perspective, she's like, what, what happened? Like, you just woke up. Are we willing to look that weird? Are we willing to take things that serious to get up and dip? Literally run. I've heard, I've heard stories like this before. Where, where brothers was with, with their ladies later than they should have been. And the temptation was coming. And they caught themselves. And stood up. Turned. 
and ran out the room, ran out the house, as weird as it may be. But are you willing to do things that extreme? We have to be. We got to be willing to do things that extreme. Now, the thing about this is, I've been there myself where I just know I got it. I know God with me. I know, I know, I know the things I need to do. I know that I just need to go get up and take a walk. I need to pray. Let me let God in this place. Let me, I need to sit here and pray. Let me read some scripture. Put the book down and still do what I felt like I had to do. I've been there before. I don't know if anybody else has. But here's the thing. We have to, we have to activate those fight or flight responses or we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he's working to do with us in the first place. This brings me to my next point. Running is not enough. I know, I know y'all, I'm like, y'all like, dang, all right, we got the keys, we good. Nope, not enough, not enough. Now, here's the thing with fleeing, right? Fleeing sin, fleeing temptation, fleeing anything in real life. What typically happens when you flee something? Like, let's say there was a fight like when you was a younger kid or something that you didn't want to get into. You turn around and ran. Maybe it was a fight now that didn't make no sense to try to engage in. You turn around and run. Maybe somebody comes into a store with a gun. You run it. Like, there's no point to go be, a, be in a gunfight unnecessarily. Like, there's no point. If you can see a way out, get out of there, right? But here's the thing. We typically don't just run away. We go snitch, right? Like, let's say, like, that shooter comes in the store. Not only are you running, you're going to go find the nearest phone, cop, officer, officer, there's a, there's a shooter on the loose in Price Chopper. Go help. Or when you was that little kid, right, like you was a little kid, and uh, now I'm an only child, so I've heard stories like this. But when you were like a little kid and like there was the, the school bully or something was, was trying to jump you with three-day friends, and you say, I'm going to tell my big brother. And you uh, run away. And then you go get your big brother and say, hey, they over here messing with me. You run the snitch. And snitches don't get stitches. They get riches in heaven. Okay? So we're going to get rid of that saying all together. <laughs> but listen, this is, the, this is the mindset that we have to take on and understand when we're getting away from our sin, when we're breaking these strongholds and these spirits off of us. We have to understand what it actually is to flee, but go confess. Okay? Now, when we're doing this, we're allowing the other person to petition on our behalf. When you go tell the cop, he's coming in and be like, all right, I got you. 10-4-9-er, pew, pew, and then everybody's safe, right? You, you, you have to be, to be willing to understand that if there's no petition on your behalf, if you think that you're doing this on your own, you've already lost the game. It's already over. You flee to other people. Okay. You flee to other people to allow them to go ape. This is like the coolest, the coolest acronym. I'm, I'm telling you, when God gave it to me, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, anyway, you flee to people so they can go ape in your life. Okay? So we got the A, accountability. Look at it like it says in Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another friend. Other translations say a man sharpens another man. You have to be willing to put yourself in a position to be accountable to somebody. In those moments where you may be at your weakest, where you may feel like you, where you feel like you're about to stumble. You ain't even stumbled yet, let alone sin. You just, it's 2.30 on a Wednesday, third Wednesday of the month in the leap year. It's about the time where that feeling come up. Let me, let me, let me call John. Let me call John. Let me, let me, let me. So they can be there in that accountability for you. Say, hey, man, remember what you promised yourself. Remember what you promised God. You ain't going to do that no more. Like, you was. To the next thing, the P in ape, prayer. First Timothy 2. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. When you have someone in your corner praying for you, petitioning, interceding on your behalf in the moments where you can't even lift up a hand, like if we look at this from a physical standpoint, and we, we go back to the big bro, big bro handling your fight for you. You done already got knocked out. You was able to tell him, but you already got knocked out. So you on the ground, lifeless. Okay? People picking up your hand. You can't do nothing. Your brother is there to petition on your behalf and put four good knuckles square on that other person's jaw saying, hey, I got to protect you because you about to try to curb stomp. You about to try to do some stupid stuff. I'm getting really graphic right now. And I... <laughs> But it's that serious because just like we read before, them demons not going to care when they jump on your back and curb stomp your, you in the spirit and leave you dead and dumb looking silly. And the E, encouragement. We have these people in our corners to go ape for us, to be there for accountability, to be there to pray for us, to, give, to be there to offer us encouragement. First Thessalonians chapter 5. <coughs> For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whenever, or excuse me, for that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Keep it going. We're encouraging people, our, our, our friends. We're encouraging those who come to us. You're seeking someone for encouragement so that you could, they could just be that small reminder like, look, man, God already did this for you. You got it. The scripture already told us earlier a few minutes ago that we can, do, we can escape all of this stuff. He gave us the power to do all of this. So remember, God died on the cross for you. God already gave you the keys and the, the ability to allow the Holy Spirit in and to let you do what you need to do so you can escape this sin. It's, it's, it, you, you, like, you good? I understand you at a weak moment right now, but you good. I promise you, Okay. So this, this, is, this is the reason as to why you got to confess it, right? You got to go and tell somebody. You got to snitch on yourself. You got to snitch on that spirit that's trying to get you. 
I look at it like this. I look at it like, um, like you know, 12-step uh, programs, like for addicts and stuff like that. What do they always say? Everybody knows. The first step is admitting it. That's the first, the first step. Like the first thing is admitting it. Because you got if you if you feel like you got, got it in the bag and you good to go and you don't have anything else to worry about, then you're going to keep on. But when you can admit that you have an issue, when you can admit that the flaw is there, when you can admit that the weakness is there, now you're able to let, let the help come in. Whether it's the helper, whether it's your friend helping you to the helper, whatever it may be. Give me 1 John chapter 5, or excuse me, 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> Coming from the message. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There is not a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living that we claim, or excuse me, we're not living what we claim. Oh my gosh. If we claim that we, I'm running that back, y'all. If we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We are not living what we claim. Exactly why those Jews got jumped on by that evil spirit. Just like we were saying before. But if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another. As the sacrifice blood of Jesus, God's son, purges all of our sin. So you mean to tell me that if we walk in the light? Don't we talk about that here? Living in the light. When you confess and share all the stuff, like when you, when there is no secrets behind you, the light is God anyway. Continuing on. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, simply come clean about them. He won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim that we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God, make a liar out of him. And cl a claim like that only shows off our ignorance of God. So you mean to tell me, if I think that I'm lying to myself, or excuse me, if I think that I'm confessing or confessing and I'm good and I'm, I'm only lying to myself, and if I think that the lying to myself is me actually hiding it from other people, God still knows anyway. Hey, how he, it's already, he, it's, he knows what's going on in your mind. So you might as well say it. Like why, like, why are we thinking that we hide stuff? And that's for the stuff that you're praying against. Those crazy thoughts that come through your head that you are really trying to defeat and battle. And you think, ah, if I don't say it, if I don't say it, if I don't pray this out loud while I'm in my prayer closet with God, then it won't be a big thing. He already knows. Like, stop trying to hide it. He knows. You're better off confessing it instead of just denying, denying, denying. Because what happens is when you're denying it, you're lying to yourself. And furthermore, just like Scripture said, you're making a liar of God. You're trying to make a liar of God. Because what's happening is you're essentially saying that the sin that you're going through really isn't that big of a deal. It's not that bad. It's not that this isn't, this isn't that bad. No, God clearly wrote out that you shouldn't do this. Like, he clearly said, hey, you can do this, but don't do that. God, I'm with you. I'm with you. I have my faith in you. I said I accepted you. I'm just going to stay right here. He knows anyway. 
You can't, like, there, there's no, so, so don't make a liar of God thinking that you're holding stuff in and thinking that you're hiding it. You're only making a liar of him. And that ain't going to work. This is, this is a sign of repentance. These are some of the, 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 like, literally the first signs of repentance and turning away from the things that gave you issue, the things that gave you issue in your life. Turn away from the sin and go. Let, let, let's, let's look at how our friends did it. Uh, our friends, the, the old Jews, the, uh, they can't get right. <laughs> Give me uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9. <clears throat> On October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. That was a way that they mourned the sin in their lives back in the day. I know that's kind of, like, why they put, why they do all that? It's a cultural thing. <laughs> those Israelites, verse 2, those Israelite descendant, no, excuse me, those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners, they ran, as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors, they remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the word of, oh, excuse me, of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. Then for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped God, the Lord, or excuse me, and worshiped the Lord their God. Prime example of what we need to do. Flee, separate yourself from that stuff, get it out of there. And go and confess your sins. And the even bigger thing that, that, that they take further, they just soak themselves in the word of God. They soak themselves in the promises that he already gave. The promises that we just read about. The promises of, of being able to, to uh, uh, evade and move and move away and around from sin by power of the Holy Spirit. And worship him and give him all praise for what he just did and what he has done. Get back to this. Now, with my confession, I don't know if y'all remember my last sermon. Last time I was up here, I was sweating profusely. It was very bad. So I remember my towel today. You want to go get me. I, I don't have the hair, right? I don't have the hair to catch the follicles, the sweat droplets. I got to, till I get my, you know. <laughs> but the thing, the thing is, like, right, like, with my own issue, right? Like with my own fight, my own battle. That thing wasn't broken off of me until I confessed to my wife the issue that I had. And let me tell you, that was the toughest thing. Because who wants to admit to the person that's closest to you the transgressions that you made, not only against God, against them too. But I had to. Because what I was doing, I was stifling the Holy Spirit from being able to work in her. The person who knows me most, knows my, my, my patterns, knows how I move, knows how I, I was stifling her from being able to pray for me and petition for me in the moments where I was weak, in the moments where I had my issues, where they was coming up. Now, I, I could go to my wife now and be like, hey, babe, I'm, I'm kind of hurting. Like, I, I feel like a stumble is coming up. I feel, I'm feeling kind of weak. Feel I'm getting a familiar feeling that she can go right there in the prayer, right alongside me. To the last point. After all of this, you got to run for cover. Got to run for cover. Give me Romans 8, verse 5. Those who were dominated 
by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. If you have the Spirit of God living in you and Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by, uh, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. You, in, you under him already, so you're already covered. Just because those things happen and come up and are, are bothering you and an issue to your life, you're already covered. You understand and you're moving in the spirit. You're going to God. You're running to God. You're running away from the issue. You're running away from your sin. You're calling people. You're calling people to give you accountability and prayer and encouragement. You're doing everything in God's power that he's given you to not fall victim to this sin. So you're good. Have to activate it. Give me Matthew 18, verse 10. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. Sound familiar? Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in, the that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth he will rejoice over it more than the other 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly father, uh, it's not my heavenly father's will that even one of those little ones should perish. Listen, you're covered by God already. Continue to move and fight and claw away from this sin, away from these temptations that are trying to hold you back, away from these temptations that are digging into your life and hurting and harming and ruining, seemingly ruining all these relationships and messing you up and filling you up with stress and shame and guilt and all of these things, you're covered by God. It's going to come to an end. Bury yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into him and everything else is going to work itself out the way. That's my time, y'all. Thank you.